to say welcome back to some of y'all that have not been here in a while. We've missed y'all. we missed y'all catching us online, catching us on the Instagram, the YouTube, the Facebook, catching us. We went viral. We was definitely viral in all. No, we were. We did pretty good. If you weren't there, if you weren't a part of it, y'all missed out. So what do we want to do tonight? We are on part two of our series called Run to the Father. We are talking about running to the Father. We're talking about running to, to God in our life circumstances and our difficulties. So what I want you to do is if you got your Bible, if you got your phone, if you can even Google it. If you got a phone and you don't got the Bible app, Google it. Google it. It's easy. So open up your Bible, turn on your Bible, open up the app, whatever it is, open up your Google and go to James chapter one, James chapter one. We will be doing verse two to eight and then 12 to 18, but make sure you don't get rid of your Bible. Make sure your phone don't die in the process because we're going to be looking at scripture tonight. We're going to be looking at scripture tonight and, and we are going to be focusing on, on what the, the Lord is doing, what the Lord's word says, and how we can glean from it, how we can make it applicable to our life, how we can take uh, what we talked about last week, how we can take other people's mistakes, learn from them, so we don't have to make the same mistakes, because who wants to make the same mistake that somebody else made when you can be better? That's what I thought. Welcome to society where we don't learn from other people's mistakes. So we're not going to be those people. We're not going to be that generation. We're not going to be those students, those teenagers. We are going to learn from the mistakes of other people. And thank God that God has given us his word that we know how to live, how to live above reproach, how to live in, in hunger. So where we left off last week was we are taking the story. We are taking Luke chapter 15 all the way from 11 all the way to 28. We're, we're diving into those texts. We're going we're gonna to give them names. We're going to give them personality. We're going to give them traits. And this story is told in three different perspectives. There's three main characters that are attached to this. And so last week we confronted and talked about the son. We talked about the prodigal son, the one that is the most, the main character in it. And what he did was he asked, he asked his father for his inheritance early. Mind you, if you don't know what an inheritance is, an inheritance is what is left to you after they die. Your parents leave you an inheritance when they die. So when they, they pass away, they leave you a house. They leave you a car. They leave you debt. They leave you money. They leave you bills. Whatever it is, that's your inheritance. But you're not supposed to get an inheritance until someone dies. Now, let's look at the son. He, he looks straight up in his dad's face and says, give me my inheritance. Now, let that sink in. Let that sink in. Some of y'all said some mean stuff to your parents in your life. I know I have. I've had some mean stuff to my parents. And some of y'all said even worse stuff to your parents. But could you imagine looking your dad, looking your mom in the eye and saying, you know what? I wish you were dead so I could get everything that you got. I wish you was dead so I could get your car. I wish you was dead so I could get your money. I wish you were, I wish you were dead so I could get your house, whatever it is. Imagine looking, imagine looking your mom or your dad in the face and saying those words. That's basically what the son had said to his dad. Now, now let's switch to perspective because it's really good to be empathetic and compassionate and have multiple perspectives of life, not just understanding what your own perspective is, but listening to other people and taking other people's accounts. Imagine being dad. Imagine being the dad. Your, your son just looked at you in the face and said, I, I wish you were dead and I'm not going to wait till you for you to die to get what's mine. I'm not going to wait until you're dead to, to get what is due to me. And so his father, it just goes, okay, if that's what you want, 
Here it is. He gives him his inheritance. And do you think that the son made great decisions with it? Because he's already making such great decisions in life right now. No, what he does is he wastes all his money on prostitutes and, and partying and, and doing all of the above. He just wastes. And what the Bible says is he squanders his inheritance. So the little, the son finds himself in a pig pen, not even able to eat the slop of the pigs. That's bad when you can't even have pig slop for a meal. Anyone ever smell pig slop? Anyone ever been in a pig in a pig pen? That stinks. It's mixed with food. It's mixed with doo-doo. It's mixed with it all of the above. And you know what? You can't even eat that. You're not even worth eating that. And so where we left off last week is the son creates a narrative. He said he's creating a monologue. He's creating a monologue in his head of he's going, okay, when I get home, I'm going to look at my dad and I'm going to go, I don't deserve to be your son. I'm the worst ever. And he's on his way back home. He's on his way back home. And see, what we talked about last week is sometimes we find ourselves in those predicaments. Sometimes we find ourselves in those predicaments where we feel like we have squandered everything we've had. We've gone on to living that is not godly living, but we've squandered what God has created us. We've squandered who God's called us to be for a cheap thrill. Fill in the blank. What's your cheap thrill? Everything that the son squandered on. Look, we squander our spiritual inheritance on it as well. All of us been there. And he says, and he's at this moment trying to, to figure out a way to come, to come to God. And what we talked about was like, you're never too far. We talked about it. You're never too far to, to come back home. You're never too far to come back to Jesus. And so now this, the narrative and, and, the, and the story shifts the perspective. It changes its perspective. It talks from one character to the next character. But before we even get to what the father says, let's just take a moment and recognize that there is, that the son is in a trial. The son is in a difficult spot. Now we asked you this in, in keep groups, and I'm going to ask you this again, because I want you to know that this is personal. The word of God, I, I wish someone would read the word. I wish someone would get it. I wish I'd get it. I wish I'd, I'd understand and see myself in the Word so I can make good choices. I can live a life that's pleasing to God. So we need to, to put our names into this. We need to put our, our hearts and our perspectives into it. And I want to ask you, has there been a time you felt like you were in such a mess that you couldn't get out? Have you ever found yourself that you felt you were in such a mess that it was an impossibility for you to get out? Now, if you've ever dealt with anxiety, if you've ever dealt with depression, if you've ever dealt with hopelessness and helplessness, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That feeling that there's a hand around your throat just squeezing tighter and tighter, that, that feeling of a punch to the gut, that feeling of, of tinglings all around your body because you, you just don't know. Have you ever been in a predicament where you found yourself in the biggest mess of your life that you couldn't get out. Maybe you haven't hit that point, and my prayer for you is you never hit that point. But if we're all honest, if we're honest in some capacity, we feel like we have found ourselves in a predicament that we can't be getting out of. 
whether it be that, that addiction, that struggle, whether it be that, that spiritual bondage, whether it be that, that relational situation, whether it be that mental situation, that emotional situation, that, that substance situation, we feel like we can never get out. And here we find this, the son is in the same predicament. He finds himself in a trial. He finds himself in a difficulty. And that brings us to our text tonight. If you, you look at James 1, y'all should be there. We're going to start at verse 2. And it says, count it all joy, my brothers, my sisters, my people, my, my everyone. Count it all joy, my brothers, my sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, what, here's what I love. I'm, I'm, a, I'm someone that when I read the word and I study the word, I break it down. I go sentence by sentence. What does that mean? Like, let's dig it out. And it says, trials of many kind. So that means trials that you've self-imposed and that the ones that you put on yourself and the ones that, that have been imposed onto you, the one, the afflictions, the difficulties, think messes that you put yourself in, messes that, that you feel like God's put you in, messes that you feel like the, the enemy and circumstances that other people have put you in. It says, count it all joy. You see, the son found himself in a trial and a difficulty, but when we find ourselves in a trial, we have a possibility to see God. Now I want to ask you, are you in a mess tonight? Are you in a difficulty? Are you in a hardship? Are you in, a, are you in something that seems so big, so astronomical? Maybe it's not the sin of squandering and, and looking at your dad and, and basically saying, I hope you were, you're dead. And then what's supposed to last you a lifetime ends up lasting you a couple cheap thrills. But maybe it's something spiritual. Whatever it is, you find yourself in a mess. You find yourself in a trial. But what the word of God says, what, P, what Paul is telling us in James is, is uh, what James is saying in the book of James is that count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, why should I be glad when I have a difficulty in my life? Why should I be happy? Because it continues on in verse 3, it says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When you go through something very difficult, you have an opportunity to grow. Whether you got yourself in that situation, some of us in this room got ourselves in that trial and the difficulty that we find ourselves in. The son got himself in that. Some, sometimes you find yourself in a trial that mama got you in or daddy got you in or, or brother or sister got you in. Sometimes we find ourselves in a trial that nobody else made us get into, that, that somebody else has, has caused us to walk into. Sometimes we get into a trial that we make ourselves or sometimes we get into a trial that the enemy has. But guess what? There's always an opportunity for growth. There's always an opportunity of growth. There's always a God message involved with it. There's always a, a moment to, to find God's healing and to find God's redemption in it. And it says, James talks about the, the things that, that you can gain from a trial and difficulty. Here's what the son can gain from this difficulty in his life. He, if he turns up his wicked ways and he, he puts his heart towards God and he looks at his trials, guess what? He's going to be able to have a testing of his faith. Now, what is faith? Is faith just a feeling? Is faith a feeling uh, that I get some ooey-gooey feelings when I think about God? No, that's not faith. Is faith just something in my head, something I just academically believe or intellectually believe? No, that's not faith. Faith is when you combine your heart and you combine your mind, you combine your actions, you, you combine your belief systems under something. 
Now, sometimes when we find ourselves in a difficulty and when we find ourselves being defined by a mess, we have a perfect opportunity to check out what we really believe. Anyone ever been there? When you go through a mess, you really get to figure out what you believe about yourself. And even more importantly, you really get to figure out what you believe about God. When you find out, find yourself in a mess, you, your, test gets, your faith gets tested. Your faith gets scrutinized. And so in this moment, the son has an opportunity to figure out what he believes. What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about my identity? What do I believe about, what do I believe about my father? What do I believe about the father that, that is at home that I had just squandered everything that he had worked his entire life for? What do I believe about him? And it says, as you continue in your faith, as you continue in the testing of your faith, it produces steadfastness. I really believe nothing good is, is like if something that was easy, something that's just handed to you, that's not, that's not as good as something that you had to work for and you had to strive for and you had to have some blood, sweat, and tears involved with. When you go through something, when your faith is tested, you become someone that is steadfast. Someone that is steadfast in my belief because guess what? It's, it's been put up against the test and it's proven itself true. You become steadfast and, and then eventually it leaves in its full effect. When steadfastness comes to the full fruition of what it is, it, it brings you to a place of perfection and completion, not lacking anything. When you find yourself in a trial, when you find yourself in a difficulty, and the reason I'm connecting it back to the prodigal son is because a lot of us, a lot of us in this room, go through trials purely because of what we've done. Add the enemy into it, yes, sure, but we are enticed by our desires. That's what James says. It's, James says, um, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt with evil. And he said, he, he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. The desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. We find ourselves in trial because we're going through some hardships and difficulties. We're feeling some pains because we're feeling the birth pains and the birth pains of a death baby. And that's what our character tonight, and that's what the, the prodigal son had to experience. This moment, he's experienced birth pangs and heartache and brokenness because a baby of death is about to be born. So, so what's his response? He, he continues to go home. He starts his trek. He starts his journey home. And, and as he, he continues and as he's walking, as, as, as Luke 15, 20 to 24 says, it says, when, when the father saw him from a distance, what did he do? Did he shut the doors? Did he close the blinds? Did he, did he nail down the window? Did he move? Did he put a for sale sign? Did he change his name? Did he change his address? No. It said he picked up his garment, wrapped it around him. How undignified. We think that's, that's chill. Like Girls walk around with skirts that can't be wrapped up no more. And, and this man, he, he had his little cloak and, and he hiked it up. That's immoral. That is scandalous. And he did that. So he could run faster. He hiked, up, he hiked up his skirt. He hiked up his dress. He hiked up his whatever they wanted to call it. I don't know the fashion name for what they were wearing back then. But he hiked it up doing something that was so filthy, so disgusting, so reprehensible. So he can run faster after the one he loved. Now I hope you see a parallel of God here. Because what Jesus had done 
is God. Can you imagine God? We've talked about this before. I brought you all this analogy before. We're talking about God. Think of God. I mean, God, God, like God. We're talking about God right now. And all of a sudden, one day, through a virgin who is his mother, and guess what? Now he's not just God, but he's a human. Nasty. What God would ever do that? Why? That's the, like, look at yourself. Look at, look internally. Look internally. Look at your human nature. Are you not disgusted? Are you not like, gosh, man, God, like God's in this. God wants to take on this. Look at what y'all, some of y'all bodies do. Y'all like, but your body, body functions nasty, but God, God's going to do that. God's going to do that. And you know what he did? He decided to step down from heaven. He decided to, to quote unquote, lift, take up his cloak, wrap it around him, do the most undignified thing that anyone could do, reprehensible, God, holy, righteous, sovereign, creator, God, steps down to heaven. So guess what? He can chase after you a little bit faster. That he can get to you a little bit quicker. And he said, I'm not just going to chase after them. I'm not just going to send one person, someone that, that is the mouthpiece of me anymore. He's not saying I'm just, going to, I'm just going to send one person or I'm just going to send a cloud. I'm not just going to, to, going to send a fire anymore. I'm going to get so close to them. I'm going to run so fast after them that I'm going to be able to touch them. I'm going to be able to rub up against them. I'm going to be able to feel what they feel. I'm going to be able to comprehend their emotions. I'm going to understand what it's like to cry out of pain and hurt and disappointment. I'm going to know what it's like to, to feel the pain of, of, of injury, the pain of sickness, the pain of illness, the pain of death. I'm going to know what it's like to feel the rejection of another. And he did it because he wanted to get close to us. And here's what the, the, here's what the son does. The, the, the son is just like, this dad's run. If, if my dad was running at me like that and I did all that mess to him, I'm thinking he's going to come up with a haymaker. Like he's getting a running start. He's going to tackle me. He's going to bust my face. I'm sure the son may have had a moment of brace for impact. But you know what the, what the dad did? He ran. The man of the house ran. The man of the house ran. And he embraces him. He embraces him in that moment. And guess what? It, it didn't matter the trial and the pig pen that he was in. It didn't matter the difficulty is because guess what? Now he had something to prove to him. He had something to give him. You see, the, the, the son looked and, and saw, had faith that his father was going to be accepting. He had faith that his father was going to be accepting it, and he was steadfast enough to make that journey all the way back home, smelling like pig, smelling like everything that was involved with pig. He, he was persevering in his faith, and eventually he becomes complete, mature, and made whole in the arms of his father. That trial, why do we count it joy? Because for a moment, we get to understand our broken humanity meets the grace and the love and the favor of God. But here's what's happened. Here's why I love humanity. Humanity is just nuts when it comes to God. They're just so stupid. We're just so dumb when it comes to God. Because you know what he does? He picks up, he, like, he takes his little note out of his pocket and he goes, Father, I am no longer worthy to be your son. And you know what the dad does? He doesn't say, go on. 
and say, okay, finish it. He doesn't even, he don't even take it, put it in his pocket. He says, mm -mm -mm -mm. he calls instantly. He says, call the servants, go get the, the fatted calf, go get the robe, go get the ring. He has come home. The loss has been found. And there's something we can learn from this. We talked about when, when we went through Grover, if you were here, we talked about the Beatitudes. And we talked about root, shoot, and fruit. If you were here, if you've been here on Sunday, you'll guess what? It's the same thing we're talking about. He talked about the root. He talked about the shoot. He talked about the fruit. He just didn't use those words. It's real, y'all. It's real. It's happening. It's, it's happening. Sunday mornings are good, too. And so what the, the first ones, the Beatitudes are, blessed are the poor in spirit. But he says, blessed are those that mourn. And that he continues on is, is these, these blessings of, of hardships and difficulties. And what we know is in the first three Beatitudes, the root is our humanity. There's a debt that we can't pay. There's a debt so big, uh, it's called our humanity, that we can never, never work hard enough to fill that debt. There's no Bible reading enough. There's no praying enough. There's no, no fasting enough. There's no church attendance. There's no, there's no whatever. Your whole life could be perfect and without sin. It's still never going to be enough to get in the presence of God. And what the son demonstrated is, man, I'm indebted to my father. I'm indebted to my dad. And what the, what the dad does is, what debt? What debt? He says, I don't even want to hear about the debt. I don't even want to hear about debt. All I want to, all I want to do is lavish it on you. So I want, to, I want to encourage you, the debt that you're experiencing, there, there is no debt. All that God has called us to do in our life as we are in him is to live abundantly and overflowing. You see, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm sure someone in this room gets this. I live my spiritual life in, in a deficit. Anybody else live their spiritual life in a deficit? Okay, I'll talk to myself. Listen, make my day. It encourages my faith. If it's going to encourage my faith, y'all just here for the ride. Sorry about it. But I live my spiritual life so often from a deficit. So often from a deficit. I approach my Bible reading because I'm like, oh man, I gotta, gotta earn my little, little, my, little my coins to put it, in the, put it in the bank so I can pay off this debt. I live that way. I come to church because, man, I gotta, I gotta come to church because, man, I got, I got the debt to pay. I pray because I have a debt to pay. I live my life in this belief and this bondage and this lie that there's a debt that I have to pay. I got to read my Bible for hours because I spent hours on my phone. I got to read my Bible for hours because I spent hours watching TV. I got to read my Bible for hours because I spent hours sleeping. And I live in this bondage of forever trying to put coins in a million dollar debt. A debt that's too innumerable for me to count. And you know what happens? Come and be honest. Let's just be honest. You know what happens to this? Stays in the same place for weeks at a time. It don't get opened. It don't get highlighted. It don't get written. Me communicating with God don't happen. 
Why? Because I feel so indebted. So indebted to God. What's the point? And you know, some of y'all don't know that there's an assignment of the enemy on your life. Why is there an assignment of the enemy on your life? Because there's an assignment of God on your life. And this is what he likes to do. Makes you go, hey, Jesse, you know, when you read your Bible for, for 30 minutes, well, look at all the time you did it. Remember the time you didn't do that yesterday? What about that 30 minutes you played on Instagram? So instantly you start going, I ain't going to do it anymore. I'm not going to do it no more. What's the point? And we find ourselves dead, spiritually dead, emotionally bankrupt, mentally incompetent. We find ourselves so broken down by debt. But what the, what the Father shows in this moment is that your debt doesn't make sense. You don't have a debt. You live in excess. Because you see, when I said Jesus, I said Jesus be the Savior of my life. Here's what he didn't do. He didn't wash away my debt so that I can start accumulating a debt again. He didn't wash away debt so I can accumulate debt. What he did is I'm going to wash away that debt and that debt's never going to happen. So when I do spend my 30 minutes in the word, guess what? It gets positive. I get to go in the green. It becomes accounted, accredited to me that I can spend and I can, I can sow and I can give. We, and when I spend time in prayer, when I spend time fasting, when I spend time in church, no longer am I having to pay off a debt, but I'm working in excess and overflow. And these become the actions that I get to sow into other people, sow into my walk with God. I don't live in a deficit. I live in excess and abundance. So what the father shows here, he says, you don't have a debt. Your, your cute little false humility, your nice little monologue don't mean nothing to me. Yeah, you squandered all that money. Yeah, you should have made better decisions. But you know what? Get the fatted calf. His generosity is not dependent on my ability. His generosity is dependent on his nature. And the word of God says he is good. He is faithful. He is generous. He is giving. He is loving. Some of, some of y'all, I just wish you'd get it together. Get it together. Sometimes I lock myself in the, in, the, in the morning, I go, get it together. What if, I, what if I allowed myself to truly believe that the Father in this story is a reflection of the Father, Father God? That through my life's trials and my difficulties, it only becomes an opportunity for me to grow in maturity and in righteousness and completeness and wholeness. It gives me an opportunity to be made whole and to be running into the arms of the Father. What if I stood up and I said, you know what? I'm not going to read the Bible just because I have to, because I got a debt to pay. I'm going to read the Bible because I want to know the word of God. I want to meet with God. Your little addiction that you struggle with, your little, your little secrets, your little whatever you deal with in life, they don't disappear. I promise you, I promise you, you align yourself in the community of God. You align yourself under God and you don't allow the enemy to say, oh, you're not worth it. You were worth it enough for him to step down from heaven, hike up his, hike up his little toga and to run after you undignified. You were worth it. I want to tell you tonight, you were worth it and you are worth it. You weren't just worth it for a one-time salvation moment. You were worth it for eternity. You were worth the life that you were given. 
You are worth everything that is given to you. You are worth it. You are worth the breath that you are breathing. You are worth every good thing that has ever come to your life. Not because you've earned it, not because you deserve it, but because you're in Christ and God just says, I want to give them good things. I want to give Michaela good things in life. I want to give Michaela good things. I want to give Jared some good things. When we live from that, no longer are we defeated. No longer are we the people that are like, I'm just going to stand here and I'm not going to worship. I'm just going to, ha, ha, ha. They hit a wrong note. They did like, excuse me. But, but when we live our lives knowing that my debt has been paid and it's never coming back, I live in excess. That's where I'm going to live free. I live in the embrace of God. So if you will stand with me tonight. And we're going to take a moment. I'm going to embarrass no one. This is personal. This is personal. I don't like getting real personal in church. I like to make it corporate because I think we're here to connect with one another. And then you can get real personal at home in your own private time. But I know sometimes we don't get there. We don't do that. And that's, so let's get personal in this room while we're together. So with your head bowed, your eyes closed, you're doing that whole thing. We ain't going to embarrass you. It's personal between you and God right now. If you go, I'm living from a debt. I'm living my life in a deficit rather than living my life in abundance. And maybe you go, I don't actually know what I'm worth. Take that as you will. I'm not worth. I don't, I don't find myself to be worth what I really am worth. If that's you, we'll make plain simple. Broad, specific for you. If that's you, say, I live from a deficit. I live from a deficit, and I don't know the worth that has actually been given to me. Raise your hand. Reel up, reel up, reel down, real quick. It's private. Ain't no one looking. I ain't even looking. I want you to hear those words of your life. You are worth it. You are worth it. I'm telling myself that tonight. I am worth it. The reason I have breath isn't because God's here to torment me and judge me and, and break me down and bust me down. The reason I have breath is because he's got a purpose for my life and it is a good purpose. And everything that I'm going through in life is a good thing. Everything I'm going through in life is a good thing because he's going to make it a good thing. You are worth it. God does not hate you. He's not angry with you. All of that's just a lie. I've heard people making up lies about God because they can't get themselves to believe it. You are worth it. When you go home tonight laying down your head, you are worth it. You are worth fighting for. You are worth God fighting for. You are worth people fighting for. You are worth those struggles, those difficulties in your life. You are worth it. And I'm not just saying that for you. I'm saying that to myself today. I'm worth it as well. And so with that, I want you to, I'm going to give you a second chance to acknowledge that. That you are worth it. So if you need to hear that tonight, you need to say, I'm living from a deficit. I'm living from a deficit. I do not know what I'm worth. If that is you, take a moment, raise your hand and identify. 
Maybe you missed your chance, but don't, it's private. This private moment, this about you and God. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray. We're gonna take a moment and pray. And I hope that you would talk to God. Maybe all you can give God is a tear. Maybe all you can give God is, God, I feel bad. I hate, I hate everything. Maybe that's all you can give God. That's okay. Because he, he's ran, you don't need to say anything. He's just gonna embrace. So let's pray. God, we just thank you for your presence today. We thank you that you are here. God, we thank you that we are worth something because you have made us worth something. God, we are not worth something out of our merits. We are not worth something out of our own abilities, but we are worth something because you said we are worth something. It doesn't matter our performance, how good we are, how bad we are. You say, you say we are worth it. When we find ourselves in the pig pen, when we find ourselves in the difficulties, trials of life, you say that we are worth it. And that you desire to give good gifts to us. You give us wisdom. You give us faith. You give us perseverance. You give us completeness. You give us wholeness. God, you give us all good things. And God, I pray for every student that feels themselves in a mess. I pray for myself as I feel myself in a mess. As as they feel themselves in a hole and anxiety choking and and depression choking and, and whatever else it is, God, as I feel that same way too some days, God, I pray, God, that you would give us a realization that it is all paid, that we live in abundance, we live in excess, we don't live from a deficit, God, but we live from your abundant life that you love us, you are not angry with us, that you are for us, you are not against us, that you care for us, you do not hate us. Lord, help us feel the embrace of the Father, looking at all that you've done, how you've ran from heaven, taking on disgusting humanity so you can understand and feel and tangibly touch myself. Guide us and strengthen us today. Let us walk in your purpose. Let us walk in your victory. Let us walk not under the thumb of the enemy, God, but in the palm of your hand as you lead us and guide us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. I appreciate it. So same time, same place next week. More people. More people is is basically up to you. You bring more people, we have more people. You don't bring more people, we have more people. That's just how God works. So we love y'all. See y'all next Wednesday.